Coach B, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, Drew. Well, hang on, I got to get my AirPods synced up. Yeah, no worries. Take your time. Um, thank you for everybody for popping in. We're going to kick off today's Wednesday with, uh, I think Katie's going to be joining us here in a little bit, but um, I want to give a, a few updates and, um, you know, a lot of things that are happening in the world of, of NFTs and uh, especially for us, the Meta Athletes team, uh, for NFT 365, we have a season two coming to NFT 365, which is uh, both exciting, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, it's a little bit stressful because, it, you know, to go through 365 days was, uh, it took a lot of energy. It took a lot of time and, and uh, it was stressful for sure to, to try to have a daily system built for that type of volume of content. But um, it was really fun. And, you know, Fanzo and I, you know, we were actually just talking a little bit um, when it comes to the just the new vision, what we want to provide, what we feel like we've done in the space, the content that we've built in terms of a library, uh, as well as what we have moving forward, which I think, you know, is really more inclusive to other builders, other hosts, um, other minds, other perspectives. And uh, that's kind of the future of NFT 365 is to, you know, Fanzo kind of built the way he built the system, but um, now we want to kind of open up to some more voices and, and really, like I said, perspectives. Uh, hear from people from the business space, hear from people that have launched and sold out projects and continue to manage and, and build good communities that uh, that ultimately will become, you know, brands, brands that will be global, brands that will be recognized by the masses. And uh, it's it's exciting times. And I think for us at Meta Athletes, Coach B is like, it's, you know, we're kind of building this. We've always said brick by brick, but um, we're also building a startup, right? So it's not just an NFT project. It's not just a collection uh, it's, it's, it's a business. It's a brand that, that aims to make impact outside of the Twitter, the Twitter echo chamber or the discords of the world. Um, you know, this is something that we're making impact and, you know, we, we get DMS daily about the impact we're making with, uh, with individuals, with teams. And for us, uh, that's strong motivators. That's, you know, enough for us to really continue to build this. I mean, just to be frank, you know, launching an NFT project that doesn't mint out right away. Uh, it forces founders to, you know, really get back to what is the mission? What are we trying to do? And what are, what are other revenue streams? What are other resources that we can start tapping into to allow us to continue to, to be on this mission together? And um, I have a weird motivation, Coach B. You know, the Fanzo, Fanzo got rejected from being an influencer or an advisor with Crypto.com. That happened, I think, last week. And then this week, um, he applied to be an artist with uh, Known Origin. Uh, it's a pretty popular you know, artist marketplace. And um, he got rejected like 30 or 45 minutes ago. And uh, it kind of like pissed me off. And the reason why is because at first, you know, I just feel like people aren't doing the research to understand what we've built. And part of that's our fault for not doing a better job of, of making this available and, and really uh, pushing out our mission to have people, you know, quickly and readily understand what we're building. So at first I was like kind of pissed off. And then I was just like, you know what, like it's kind of on us and we have to take ownership that if people aren't, you know, diving to, to come partner with us, that uh, we need to do a better job of, of pushing it out there. But um, I was also highly inspired by the fact that, you know, these rejections kind of save us time to save us energy. And, um, you know, in my opinion, is leading us towards the more, the more ideal partner, which we do have. We do have, you know, like nifty gateways of the world that have partnered with us and have shown that they are interested in, in, in what we built and, you know, what we can offer to the space. And so 
um, it was good. It was just good reminders. But uh, Coach B, I bring that up because the reminder key is like, man, you just constantly remind me. Like we're on a podcast episode and, you know, you just remind me like, oh, this is true. Like it's just about the reps. It's just about this. And, um, you know, today, today's context and why we're going to chat on this, I think is just a constant reminder of some of the tools that are available to us. You know, like when we're, when we're stressed, when we're disappointed, when we're uh, maybe feeling overwhelmed, um, you know, Coach B, I think that's kind of where I want to lead the conversation today is, you know, what tools are available to us. And then uh, more specifically, something that kind of popped up for me and I asked you a question and I was like, you know what, let's just wait before you answer it. Let's just, uh, let's do it publicly on Twitter spaces. But uh, Coach B, the weird inspiration that I had today was DJ Khaled. I don't know. I don't know if you pay attention to DJ Khaled at all, but um I've always like from the Snapchat days where he was extremely like just motivational talking about the keys to life or keys to success. Um, he's always been somebody that inspired me. And, um, you know, when I heard that news about fans of today, I just sent him that <laughs> sent him a YouTube link of the DJ Khaled, uh, his recent video is that God did. And his whole storyline for the song is like, they didn't believe in us. Nobody believed in us, but God did. Right. And um, so I was like, fans are like, <laughs> people aren't believing in us. But there are people, there are, you know, they, we do have partners and we do have people, we do have a community of, of you know, loyal podcast listeners and people that show up uh, that do believe in what we're building. And uh, so Coach B, my uh, random inspiration today was, was DJ Khaled. Do you pay attention to him at all? I actually don't. I, I kind of joke with my athletes about uh, another one, like all the time. But like in terms of following him on socials, I, I don't typically follow him. And I didn't realize that he was... Um, inspirational or motivational or shared uh, some some perspectives but i think um, i think i'm gonna have to start uh paying attention just a little bit more outside of just his musical talents if you if you pay, like i can strongly recommend listening to any one of his interviews probably within like the last two to three years and within a couple minutes you'll understand the mindset uh, that he's built for himself just from his you know his answers and the way that he responds to to certain questions um, I'll give you an example. He's, he really blew up on Snapchat because of like this, like, these are the keys or he was giving, he was giving the free playbook out to the, to the world. But, um, one of the things that really stood out for me one day was somebody said like, you know, cause he's always been a pretty big guy. Like he, you know, I don't know, maybe 350 pounds, 300 pounds. Like, you know, he's always been like a much bigger guy. And, and somebody in an interview was like, Hey, like, I know you've been working out. I know you've been watching what you're eating and you hired a chef. Um, you know, are you upset that you're not dropping weight or losing weight? And his response coach B was, I never lose. And that was like, to me, that mindset of like, even, even losing weight, I never lose. And so he has this mindset built in where he just, that's his framework. That's what he works from. And, um, you know, I think, I think you will actually gain a lot of, a lot of insight, but he's very motivational. So, uh, check I'll, I'm actually have one up right now on my computer. I'll send you the link. If you want to listen to it, you know, sometime today in the background, but, um, yeah, he's, uh, that's why I said he's random motivation for me. Cause I don't think people view him as that, but, um, also I just saw Katie popped in. Katie, how's your day going? No, not bad. Sorry for, sorry for being a little bit late, but excited to talk some Wednesday with you guys. As are we, and uh, Katie, we were just talking about DJ Khaled and how motivational he can be, but uh, I think that might be maybe a conversation or spaces for another day. But um, Coach B, I kind of want to just kick off today with, you know, like I want to ask you the question and then have you 
kind of walk me through it. And by walking me through it, walk everybody on spaces through it. Cause I think this is a, uh, it's an important tool, but um, there's a little bit of science and there's people in your network that, you know, have kind of showed you why, <laughs> why maybe right or wrong. But, um, and I see uh, Lima's going to pop up here too, but coach B I saw somewhere that you're not supposed to belly breathe. And, you know, for the last probably two years, I've gone through yoga, meditations, breath practices, and a lot of these resources instruct you to breathe through your belly. And so I'm curious what are your thoughts and um, and maybe even dive into a little bit of why practicing breathing is important. Yeah, I think, um, I think there's a lot of things about breathing that we don't quite necessarily understand because it's one of those things that we do un- you know you know subconsciously we're like we don't have to do it it's involuntary but then we also have voluntary control over it so it, so there is it is regulated by our autonomic nervous system but then we also do have you know voluntary control over the mechanics of how we breathe and we've been able and we uh, on an average day we take about 20,000 breaths throughout a day and so if you think about like we were talking about yesterday on the pod um, about everything is reps. If you breathe incorrectly, that could be 20,000 incorrect breaths that you might be able to take. And when you start to understand breathing mechanics and what the purpose of breathing is, the purpose of breathing is for us to allow us to be able to live, right? There's two purposes of our, of our body, which is really to breathe and to be able to move. And if we don't move correctly, then it's going to lead to compensations. If we don't breathe correctly, then that, that can lead to sub compensations and it can manifest itself in some kinetic chain dysfunctions, fascial issues. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but um, the concept of belly breathing, I think it's bastardized. Like it's, it, it only paints, gives you a little bit of context. In reality, it doesn't tell you everything. Um, if you look at the way the majority of the population breathes, a lot of people breathe their neck, right? And when I say breathe through their neck, that they're using their neck muscles to try to inhale right? And create, and to try to get air into their lungs. And a lot of people that say belly breathing, I think they're in the right direction, but it doesn't tell the full picture. And it doesn't paint the full context of what we're tr- trying to really understand when we look at breathing. If we look at the, where our lungs are, our lungs are housed within our thorax, right? And within inside of our rib cage. And so when people talk about belly breathing, they're, they're talking about diaphragmatic breathing. And really what they're trying to do is get them to understand how the diaphragm needs to descend so that our lungs can fully expand. And so part of that equation is correct, but it's also incorrect too, because what needs to happen is we need to get 360 degree expansion around the entire rib cage. And so our ribs need to be able to externally rotate and be able to move upon inhalation when we start to fill up our lungs. If we can think about our lungs as being balloons, if we're only getting air through our belly, then we're missing out a lot of places where we can really get full lung expansion. And so we really want to think about getting inhalation uh, upon inhalation, like be able to send our diaphragm, our belly's going to protrude outward. We also want to get air into our obliques. We want to get air into our low back. We want to get air into our posterior rib cage. We want to get air into our anterior rib cage and laterally too. The thing we don't want to do is we don't want to elevate or be able to get air up into our neck and our shoulders. And so when we belly breathe, that's only part of the place that we're going to drive airflow. And we want to be able to drive the airflow 360 degrees around our rib cage. Does that kind of make a little bit more sense? Yeah, that makes complete sense. And I think, um, you know, like two things that, that came up for me, like um, trying to optimize 
how much you're able to intake, but also um, something that I learned through my breath practice was also the idea of, and I think maybe even Lima could probably pop in here too and talk about it, but like when you're training a muscle or a certain group, you know, like you want to train your brain to focus on that muscle on, on flexing that muscle and contracting and keeping tension on the muscle. Like even when you're working out, right. It's not just, it's not just, you're just swinging a dumbbell, you know, for, for your ex, but you're like, you're actually focused on that muscle through the movements. And I know you guys can speak to a lot better than I can, but that's kind of how I envision this. Right. So when I'm breathing, I'm, I'm really focused on both the muscle that I'm using to, you know, take in air and let air and release air, but also to, like you said, put yourself in a position where you're able to uh, optimize that breath. Right. And the last thing I'll mention is being aware, like 20,000 breaths is crazy. I didn't know that. Um, and if you think about it, you know, even people that are deep into meditation and deep into to acting and living present, um, you're only a frat, like you're only there mentally a fraction of that. So like if I meditate for 10 minutes a day and I'm, fo- I'm truly focused on my breath, that's, what you know a couple hundred breaths versus the uh, the 20,000 that happens over day so that even gives me more uh motivation knowing that like I want to be in control of my breath for those controlled reps like just like you would be in the gym right yeah exactly and there's a huge sensory component too of, of being able to breathe and optimize your movement and um one of the things so one of the big courses that I've taken is it's PRI it's called the Postural Restoration Institute I've taken a couple of their courses in, the, in their whole, it's a physical therapy type course in um, methods, but it's all driven around respiration and being, uh, being, able, being able to optimize uh, our gait, but also be able to understand how our bodies naturally asymmetrically developed and designed and how we can use some exercises and some techniques of trying to feel certain parts of our body to try to optimize ourselves and get out of pain. And one of the biggest things that quite really opened my eyes is when it came to understanding how to, optim- how to breathe correctly was being able to understand where are you driving air, right? And so when I say, where are you driving airflow? It's when you inhale, where do you feel air going? And a lot of people, if you look at the, just the way like posturally, a lot of people don't know how to drive airflow into their upper back. And I just, um, I, I put something up in the nest about some rib animations I thought was pretty good. So feel free, it's a quick one minute video on YouTube, but a lot of people don't understand how to drive airflow into their upper back or laterally into their obliques and then lateral rib cage. And if you think about where a lot of people might have some tension issues and tension headaches, it tends to be in, it through their upper back and it's gonna lead to some neck work and neck issues. And a big thing of what they try to do is getting you to understand how to drive airflow backwards. And the only way that's going to happen is if you slow things down and you can sense and feel these positions, just like you were going to do an exercise in the gym. You need to be able to sense and feel so you can control and change. And if you can't sense and feel your breath or where you're driving airflow, then you're going to have no chance of being able to control or change that airflow too. And there's different things that, in different positions that you can optimize some of these techniques to try to push air where you want it to go to but being able to when you meditate like in when you when you're doing some breath work of being able to understand how am i filling my rib cage up 360 degrees and what's funny too it's when i i shared that story on instagram one of our athletes said the same thing he's like it's a quick feature i not breathe through my belly 
I said, I said, well, you know, it's only part of it, right? It's the same conversation I had with you, Drew. It, it's, it's trying to get to understand how to optimize their mechanics and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, it's something that we always talk about in the gym. But sometimes, like when you slow things down and you do it one on one, it gives a, it gives another frame of reference. And then the feedback he gave me is like, oh my god, I felt amazing on the ice today. Like I've just felt so much different, and I felt my shoulders relaxed, and I felt no tension in my neck. And that's what starts to happen is when you're aware of how to breathe a little bit better, you're going to notice that your movement's going to change completely and how you feel is going to be that much better. Yeah. I feel like we've, I feel like this is deja vu. I feel like we've had this conversation before because I think um, the way that I've always equated this was, you know, it's not just about the airflow, but it's also about visualization, right? Like I think part of, part of uh, my breath practice with that, like what you're talking about, like I took a moment and I tried to, to literally, you know, push air to the top right quadrant of my, of my lung. Right. And you have to like, you know, to visualize that first and lead into it. So like you're breathing in and then you're visualizing it, boom. And then you can feel it move to the left. And then, you, can, you know, one of the things I learned when I first started doing some of these uh, breathing exercises, and I think this is like pretty common, like one-on-one for a lot of people, but when they take in a breath and then they circle, right? They take the breath and they're, they're, they're going in a circular motion, whether that's like in their chest, in their belly, in their head. And, um, and that takes reps because it's, it's, you're visualizing it, right? The air is, I don't know, maybe, maybe it is coach, but I'm guessing it's not actually, actually circulating in your body or maybe energy is, but um, I, that's how I was able to learn best. And I remember, and I think I told you this, that, I could breathe slowly from my mouth and control my breath and the exhale, but I had a lot of trouble doing it from my nose when I first started doing some of these practices. And um, I think that's pretty common for people, but you know, the person at the time who was teaching me these things literally said, you know, pretend like there's a weight on top of your head, slowly, you know, coming down and pushing the air out. And from being able to visualize that, it taught myself like it taught, like my brain was telling me exactly how to exhale through my nose, which I know for people that haven't practiced this, it probably sounds so, <laughs> it probably sounds so simple and so crazy, but um, I was having trouble. I, I could only like exhale quickly and get it all out or I would have trouble, you know, slowly exhaling. But by visualizing something like that, it allowed me to actually, you know, slow down my exhale and hold it for like 45 seconds where before it was like seven seconds and um, so that's what's coming to me, Coach B. And I, so is visualization part of that, that methodology as well? Yeah, visually, visualizing yourself um, allows you to – it kind of gives you a little bit more feedback, right? So, you're, so when, you, when you take it upon an inhale, when you inhale and you're trying to find and feel where air should go, if you can visualize it, it just gives you another reference point. And – the more reference points you have, I think the easier it is to gain some sensory awareness of what it is that you're trying to do. And so your breath coach, when he talked about like feeling um, something on the top of your head, pushing yourself out, that just gives you a reference point. Some of the concepts of breathing when it comes to um, psychology, what people do is like when you inhale or when you breathe, make sure you can feel your feet on the ground. That's just giving you sensory awareness of where you are within space. So you can understand how to optimize the flow of breath through your entire body too, not just lungs, but also just being able to understand like how you're kind of closing the loop of where you are. And some, some of that might sound a little bit out there, but it's really just trying to understand the more reference points you have, 
the better decision making you can have, the better sense of the better sense of feel that you're gonna have. The other thing too that I've noticed about understanding how to breathe 360 degrees around your torso and your rib cage, it enhances your stability. Like one of the things that I'll often say is if you feel tight in a certain area, that's usually a sign from your brain and your nervous system that you don't have a lot of control in that area. And if you can't breathe into a certain part of your back and your rib cage, then you often don't have a lot of control. So neuro, neuro, neurologically, your body is going to start to tighten up and create a little bit more tone around those muscles in an effort to protect itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, to- it totally does. And, you know, I think w- when I when I thought about this in the past and um, even trying to breathe to certain parts of the body, you know, to bring awareness, I think you kind of hit it on the, the nail with like, you're generating that opportunity to gain awareness, right? And and the awareness for, for me, it, you know, I remember the first time, and this is like, I know it sounds like crazy. It was probably like two years ago. I was sitting in the car, I was driving and I was listening to, you know, somebody talk about this and, you know, I just like took a moment at a red light and I just took like what I consider to be a very present deep breath. And I just remember like feeling my fingers, like they were just tingly. Like I could, like I, it's like I was feeling parts of my body that I didn't feel before. And it was from one singular deep breath. Right. And so since that moment, it kind of like put me down a path of like, oh shit, I've been breathing for like 27, 28 years and never once have I felt, you know, this type of effect over my body. Other than like you do sprints, you play hockey. You do, I did all these things and your breath was always, it was just, uh, it was reactionary for me, right? It was always reactionary. And this was like the first time in my life where I felt like one breath gave me more awareness over myself. And at the time, you know, I didn't know what to think. I was just like, I was like, is this in my head? Am I like, what is going on here? But it was like, I literally just took the deepest breath. And that's, you know, I think it was the feeling of, of oxygen or things going throughout my body. And so um, this is something I, I not only truly believe in, but it's, it's a tool that everybody has, everybody's born with, right? Or if you're fortunate enough to be born with. And I think that, you know, this is, is something that, you know, is probably uncomfortable or maybe people won't tap into, you know, these types of tools, but, um, it's something that everybody has. And even talking to some of the best, you know, I would say breath instructors, mental fitness coaches in the world, the power of having something on you at all times is a superpower, right? Like, like your breath is something that if you're in a meeting, if you're at war, if you're during a game, it's something that you have with you and that can be used for you. And, uh, I just think it's a tool that people should know about if they don't know about this. Um, I do have a question though, coach B when I've heard people talk about like, you know, this type of breathing practice will help you calm down. This type of breathing practice will help amp you up. Um, this will help you tap into, you know, a certain system of your body. When people say things like that, um, what does it mean to like, like, what does it mean to, to tap into like your nervous system? It, are there certain parts of your body that then become activated when you do a certain type of breath uh, practice? Oh man, the, the the guy who just came up on stage can answer that way better. Sean Light is my guy. He uh he he played basketball at Quinnipiac. He was an intern for me and then and now he's setting the world on fire. But he he's taught me a lot about PRI and just optimizing breathing mechanics and neurology. And he put out some unbelievable tweets this morning, um, that I, I tagged my athletes in one of them. But um if Sean 
is, is comfortable to speak, we'd love him to be able to expand on it because he's taught me more about neurology and opened my eyes to the power of understanding how neurology works within the weight room more than anybody. Oh, what's up, man? Thanks. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the lovely intro there. Can everybody hear me here? Thumbs up. I don't know how this stuff works. My first time ever doing this. Yeah. Good to go, Sean. Cool. Uh, so just, uh, just quick heads up. I'm supposed to have a call here in four minutes, so I may have to pop off, but uh, you were talking about uh, how to last specific types of breathing can affect, you know, the neurology and stuff like that. There's really two things that really come uh, into my mind with respect to that. One of the things is that uh, right down in your lumbar spine, uh, there's these branches of the nervous system that actually pop out of your spine. Uh, and whenever you're in an extension pattern, which is really just arching your back, those, uh, I can't, I'm drawing a blank on the name of those branches right now. Uh, I can't think of it, but whenever those things are compressed, uh, you automatically get into a fight or flight state of mind, which just ramps up the nervous system, puts your brain in high beta waves. Uh, and it really gets it's a sympathetic ganglion. That's it. That's it. Yeah, sympathetic yeah. ganglion. Uh, and when those things get compressed, it just ramps up the entire system. And now you're in a high beta wave state, which is just fight or flight. And it's permanently there. So what's interesting is so many people, they talk about, uh, you know, technically, it's like have a good posture and everybody like sit up straight. And when, it, when, when you do that, you arch your back. And what's actually happening there is it's not necessarily good posture. You compress that sympathetic ganglion and then your whole system gets ramped up for a while. So when we talk about good breathing, getting your rib cage down, being able to breathe into your back from a neurological standpoint is taking pressure off of that sympathetic, sympathetic ganglion. The other thing that's really important to understand is that uh, there's this thing that goes down your spine called the dural tube. And the dural tube is connected to the dura, which surrounds the brain, uh, which is a protective layer of the brain. And at each vertebral segment going down the line, uh, the dural tube actually pops out of the spine and interconnects with the fascia of the muscles of like the lat, the rhomboids and muscles, you know, in that area. And when you have like common breathing patterns of extension, common breathing patterns of neck breathing or neck tension and things like that, it stiffens up that fascia, which stiffens up the dural tube, which literally works its way all the way up to the brain. And now you have an immalleable cranium and brain. And uh, what happens off all set with that in terms of like compression and and flow is is like unbelievable. Uh, not to mention all of like the pH changes and oxygenating the bloodstream and stuff like that 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 actually goes into that. So uh, breathing is one of the few things that I have found to be, you know, something that you actually can feel the difference of, and, and you, it actually makes like a major change. A lot of people talk in strength and conditioning. They talk about, uh, you know, this thing is a game changer, and almost none of it is actually a game changer. Uh, but if you're, you know, if you if you're breathing the right way and you're doing these things, I mean, I've seen I've seen like straight up magic. Like people have. I, when I worked for the Lakers, they, they were guys that called me Houdini inside the complex just because of the things that breathing does. And it's not magic at all. It's just understanding the body at a different level. John, thank you. That's the, the way that you're able to break it down. I mean, this is something that, um, you know, I could have done a lot of research on. And I know you got to hop here in a second, but uh, things that I've been practicing myself. But uh, you're basically showing me that these things are connected. You know, these are these are aspects of your body that are connected from these like intentional movements, intentional opportunities to be present and breathe. 
and uh, I appreciate you. And I know you got to jump here, but uh, we'd love to have you back on anytime. And um, I think we're due to connect and, and maybe bring you into the world of NFTs because it sounds like uh, it sounds like you have a lot to offer to our community. And so I appreciate you. Appreciate that. Appreciate you guys. And uh, definitely be, this is my first space experience. So it's, uh, we'll, we'll call it a home run despite it only being four minutes long. <laughs> you crushed it. You yeah. crushed your first spaces for sure. But uh, thanks, buddy. You got, see you guys later. See you, Sean. Thanks. Well, there you go, Coach B. I mean, that's, to me, that was massive. I mean, I've, I've worked with breath coaches and, you know, I always try to like dig a little bit deeper to understand um, the intention, the reason, the impact it makes on the body and yourself. Um, but, you know, a lot of these coaches will show up and say, hey, this breathing exercise is for this, but they don't really dive into the reasons why and how. I mean, this has been like a factor in my life for a lot of things, but like everything is connected, right? So your breath is connected to these things that could lead to a certain result and how you feel or how you can perform or, um, and, you know, what you guys are talking about when it comes to like uh, the nervous system, like being in fight or flight. I mean, that, that could be anxiety, right? That could be, that could lead to somebody not being able to perform at their highest level because they have these certain feelings or they have these certain emotions. And um, to know that it's connected to your breath is fascinating to me. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things too, that like you said before, you carry it around with you all the time and it costs no money. Like it's, there's no supplement. There's nothing you need to buy. You just need to be, create a level of awareness and being able to understand how to optimize your breath. So you can ultimately optimize your nervous system and your nervous system is everything. Like, so if you do have feelings of anxiousness, if you have feelings of depression, if you're not, I'm not going to say it's going to correct your depression, but I am going to say that it, it allows you to gain a sense of control. I think that's what people feel through meditation and how meditation is so powerful because it brings them back to the present moment. And those opportunities where they can feel where they are, like in what's oftentimes happen, it's connected directly to your visual field too, uh, is when you start to feel like you're not in control of things, what starts to happen, your visual field starts to narrow. When your visual field starts to narrow, if you're in athletics, that means you're not going to be able to make the plays that you're going to be able to make. And so much of it comes down to being able to understand how to be parasympathetic, but also to remain calm but also ramp up in those moments and opportunities when you need to. And it happens on such a spectrum where you need to be able to shift from being able to go to fight or flight, but then also to be able to go to recovery mode as well too. And so many times in our world, we, we're just, we're on all the time and we don't appreciate the moments where we can be still and we can take a breath and we can just really appreciate everything that's around us. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Us to do that. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, listen, I think that, um, I think focusing on your breathing or focusing on counting your breaths or a lot of these things that people I think write up as maybe a waste of time or um, they don't understand like what's happening. It's, it's opportunities to be present. Right. And it kind of forces you to be present. Um, I kind of feel like the same thing about music. I feel the same thing about art. I think these things, um, you know, they kind of force your brain to be a little more present uh, versus, racing thoughts or going, you know, having even negative thoughts. Um, I, I'll use this coach B. I think we have a couple more minutes. So if anybody wants to pop up, uh, share something or ask a question, feel free to do so. But, uh, I wanted to share, I just listened to a really great interview with, uh, Erwin, Erwin Valencia, Godfather of gratitude. And I think, um, in, I want to say it was like halfway through this episode, he talked about, it was really interesting because actually the interview, the person who was interviewing him, 
was just learning so much from you know his process and what he was doing and and they were like picking up on things but uh he was talking about when he used to work and his you know he had a mentor in phil jackson um i want to say when he was when when phil jackson was with the knicks and um he used to talk about how of course that guy was just you know his level of wisdom and winning and championships and you know taking some of the best athletes and um and creating you know legacy but he would do like the most simple things that would bring that would force people to be present. So instead of, you know, and I'm pretty guilty of this, you know, I, I walk by people and I you know, how are you doing or what's up? Or, you know, you it's kind of just like, <laughs> you just do it cause it's polite. Right. But you can also like, just go totally through that moment without even being present. You can, Oh, I'm good. How are you? And like, and what he would say is, you know, Phil Jackson would go up to people and ask them, you know, he would, he would be kind of weird, but he would like ask him, you know, deep questions <laughs> instead of saying, Hey, how are you? Or how are you doing? He would, he would like ask him a deep question where people were like, would force to be there and be present with him to have a conversation. And, um, I thought that was fascinating, you know, just the level of thought and intentionality for him to, um, get that from others when they didn't, even, maybe they didn't even realize it, you know, that they were kind of just going through the motions and, um, and going through their day. And so I think, the power of breath, you know, all these things. And I'm glad Sean came in and, you know, shed so much light on, you know, what's actually happening within the body. But at the end of the day, and this is something that Darnell preaches a ton in our meditations is like just three breaths, right? Three conscious breaths as much as you can. Or, um, and it sounds so silly because you're like, I'm breathing all day. You know, like what's the difference between me, you know, choosing to breathe and me just automatically breathing and the difference is being present, right? So, uh, Darnell pushes us and, and will challenge us to take as many conscious breaths as possible throughout the day because you're forced to be present. But it um, doesn't look like anybody's going to pop up, Coach, so I don't know if you have any you know, kind of closing remarks, but uh, appreciate your insights today. Yeah, I, I think going along with what Erwin says, it's, it's one of the things, like one of my first mentors when I got into strength finishing uh, was Jerry Martin, rest in peace, but he would, uh, athletes would come in the weight room and he'd be like, hey, Coach Martin, and he'd be like, hello, athlete. And he'd kind of like take him off guard a little bit. And I learned from him about trying to get our athletes not to go on autopilot, right? Because like you said, like, it's so easy to say, hey, what's up? You know, how you doing? And like, oh, I'm good. And without really thinking about it. And so like, what, one of the things that I always do is I talk to is, is when our athletes come in the weight room, I'm like, hey, how, you know, they ask, hey, Coach B, how's it going? And I said, or how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm better than you. And they're like, what? They're like taking it back. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm making the conscious choice that I'm better than you right now. So can you match me or can you be better than me? And a lot of them, they're just, they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, because I don't want you to go on autopilot. Like, don't be, don't be the, the norm. Like, don't be normal that way. And then I'll often ask them like, you know, are you good? Or are you great today? And that's the power of choice, right? You give, you're giving them two options. Are they going to be good? Or are they going to be great? And now their actions have to start to match that if they choose to be great. And everybody's going to say they're great. But those, those questions and those thoughts and those think all it is is trying to bring awareness to somebody and really get them to understand that they ultimately have the power to change and control, um, but they have to sense. Like a lot of people, just, they just go on autopilot with their words, their actions, they go through their routines um, without being intentional within them. And so sometimes you need to have people around you that helps you bring intention to the things that you're doing. And breath work is something that you can do by yourself that allows you to bring intention to yourself. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, great 
great use cases and, and examples. And um, I love it. I, it. It makes a ton of sense. And I think trying to draw that, I mean, I'm, I'm even drawing back to like when I was coaching, you know, like you're trying to connect, you're trying to, you know, be there and you're trying to be present yourself and, um, and try to draw it out with some others, you know, with you being that coach and trying to help them. And uh, yeah, dude, I, I love it. This is a great conversation. And, and honestly, I think uh, next week's or maybe a new, another podcast episode will be that, you know, what is the difference between autopilot and flow state? Because I think, I think too many people bring those two together. They view flow state as auto, autopilot. But uh, I think that's a, a conversation that you could provide a lot of insights on. But um, all right, Coach B, I'll close it up. MB, Grill Sergeant, Casa, Suves, Dom, Sui, Bob. Appreciate you tuning in and hopefully you learned something. But uh, talk to everybody later. <laughs>